Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's the press conference, and we're going to have it all. Joe Biden, President of the United States, is going to speak to the country. Scheduled for 1 p.m., we will have it for you, and there's only one reason he's doing it. He's doing it because he has failed. He's doing it because his response after being at Camp David and then rushing him back to Camp David was horrific. His interview with George Stephanopoulos was unmitigated failure. And then he did the entire conversation about COVID and attacking Republican governors and didn't take questions. But his staff, Kate Benningfield, his communications director, wants you to know he doesn't shy away from questions. Uh, who have helped us over the last 20 years in Afghanistan as possible. Kate, before we let you go, will President Biden, after his remarks today, take questions? He's given a couple of speeches. He did the interview with ABC News, but the White House press corps and the American people have a lot of direct questions for him. Will he take those today? The president never shies away from taking questions. I'll let him make a decision if he's going to take questions this afternoon. But you saw he just did a full uh, sit-down interview on this just uh, just yesterday. So he is always willing to take questions, uh, and I'll let him decide if he's going to do that after his remarks today. That is a flat-out lie from the Biden White House. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. What's the question you would ask? What's the question you would ask Joe Biden if you had the chance? Let me know. Twitter, at Tony Katz, 833-468-8669. But let's go back to see what has happened in the last 24 hours, because the last 24 hours have been frightening because it has proven something that we have been discussing here, that you've been discussing at home. How in the world did Joe Biden and his team not know it could go to hell this fast? How is that possible? How could General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, tell us this? However, the time frame of a rapid collapse, that was widely estimated and ranged from weeks to months and even years following our departure. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and this government in 11 days. My commentary at the time was, if it took 11 days, it took 11 days. That's what it took. It took 11 days. But why don't you resign? Why don't you resign, General Milley? Because this was your job to know. Then there was the defense secretary, Lloyd Austin. Do you have the capability to go out and collect Americans? We don't have the capability to go out and collect up large uh, numbers of, of, uh, of people. Barred. Of course we have the capability to go get large amounts of people. Why aren't we? Why aren't we going to get the large amounts of people? The estimate, this from the New York Post, is 80,000 people. This is Americans and Afghanis. You've got those people who were working for the federal government, uh, for the military, from the U.S., and then you have those uh, Afghans who were, who were helping, whether it's the, the translators, often the, the way we think about it, some other uh, support areas who were promised safe harbor, who are not getting safe harbor. They're not getting safe harbor. They're getting killed, including people who are running police departments executed by the Taliban. 
Did you think the Taliban's charm offensive of being sweet and nice and kind was real? These are people who are adherents to Sharia law. Killing is part of the gig. Let's, let's, let's not think that this is some kind of bigoted statement. Sharia law is evil. Period. And I take that on with anyone. And there is no woman and no girl that survives well in Sharia. You actually think we can't go get these people? You're going to send in thousands of uh, Marines. We can go get these people. We can get everyone. Now, it would have been a lot easier if you had a plan for evacuation, which you did not. This brings us back to General Milley. You didn't think that this was going to happen in 11 days. The diplomatic cables say otherwise. It was the Wall Street Journal that reported that nearly two dozen diplomats signed a memo on July 13th that stated that Afghans who are vulnerable should be processed immediately for evacuation. The cables also stated that it is very clear that Afghanistan can collapse following the full withdrawal of forces. They saw it. The Taliban well-positioned to take over the nation. This is what the Wall Street Journal reported, and nobody is saying that it's faulty reporting. It is indeed accurate. So that means there was notification that it could fall in 11 days. There was notification that things weren't okay. There was notification that there was a problem and that this withdrawal plan was not a plan. It was a, "Eh, let's see what happens. Now, if you say to me, Tony, you shouldn't be so dismissive of the thing, let's go back to Joe Biden if you want to hear a conversation about dismissive. What I thought was we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. But at what moment did you take control of the airport? Why didn't you keep control of Bagram Air Base? You left in the middle of the night without informing the new Afghan commander that you were leaving. He turned around and said, where'd the Americans go? Literally what happened? But let's talk about the dismissiveness of Joe Biden. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when... Does it matter how many days ago it was? And when he gave that interview, it was two days ago. They got on planes and held on to the landing gear in hopes that they could get out. They got caught in the landing gear or they fell. They died. And his response was, what are you bothering with me that for, kid? Four or five days ago. What does it matter? What difference at this point does it make? Everybody knows that it's a a, a hearkening back to Hillary Clinton talking about Benghazi. This failure is epic. Now, don't allow people to confuse you on what it is that's happening here. We are not discussing whether or not we should have left Afghanistan. That is a different conversation. And if Joe Biden goes to this press conference and starts having that conversation, you will know that Joe Biden simply cannot engage the conversation. He is either too feeble to engage the conversation or too morally weak to engage the conversation. This is about the withdrawal itself that did not have to happen right now. It did not have to happen. 
It could have been delayed. It could they could have waited. You could have done many things. And if that means you got to shoot a couple hundred Taliban members and leave their bodies in the streets, so be it. That's what it takes to get Americans out. That's what it takes to get Americans out. End of the discussion. The deadline was already May 1st. He moved it. He wanted that September 11th deadline. So he could say 20 years later, we're out. Because as we discussed, and we were right, guys. We were right, and I say this to you right now. There is not another radio show or television show, no host you watch, who has discussed it as honestly as we have. Joe Biden did this for legacy. Joe Biden wanted to be the president that got out of the war. I'm the one that got us out of Afghanistan. I'm the one who put an end to this. I'm the one who ensured that this wouldn't go to another president. Our leaders did that in Vietnam when I got here as a young man. I will not do it in Afghanistan. I know my decision will be criticized, but I would rather take all that criticism than pass this decision on to another president of the United States, yet another one, a fifth one. What would it have mattered if you waited three more weeks? He still could have ended the war and had a legacy. Producer Ari asked me a question before we went on the air. What's, what's more of a debacle, this or Iraq? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, people objected to the idea and disagreed with the idea of going into uh, Iraq. So, so which one is worse? And I said, well, clearly the answer is this. You can make the argument that the yellow cake wasn't a, a, a thing and maybe there was no need for us to be in Iraq at all. I have always made the argument that if you went into Iraq to find weapons of mass destruction and find the weapons of mass destruction, I think the answer is, whew, didn't find the weapons of mass destruction. Well... If anything, we at least stopped the rape rooms. That was always my answer. But I think people can decide to have a, an agreement or a disagreement on the thing. There's no comparison between the two because what we're seeing here isn't about whether we should have been in Afghanistan to begin with. It is about how we left Americans to fend for themselves, said it differently, we left Americans to die because that is what Joe Biden, Mark Milley, and Lloyd Austin have done. As Clarissa Ward over there at CNN, who has been doing spectacular work. It, I know, I know, it's CNN, doesn't matter. It's absolutely unbelievable that she's there, that she's reporting in the middle of it, that there's gunfire around her, she's getting hassled by the Taliban, and she keeps doing it. It is amazing she's going to win awards and we awards or not should be impressed that we're getting that level of story that directly her argument was absolutely positively americans are being hassled americans are being hassled trying to get to the airport they can't get there they've got passports they've got paperwork they can't get through the taliban so when we are told by this administration that, you know, uh, people uh, were, were told to, to make their way to the airport. It, that doesn't matter. It absolutely positively does not matter if they're not able to get there. Ned Price, who's a spokesperson for uh, the Pentagon, oh, it's just a small group. Uh, that safe passage uh, should be guaranteed 
uh, for all of those uh, who wish to transit to the airport. Uh, that is something we have focused on. We have focused on it uh, in the Doha channel. Uh, we are focusing on it, and by we, I mean both state and the Department of Defense, uh, which now has a channel uh, with the Taliban on the ground in Afghanistan. Uh, and we have had uh, what I would characterize as uh, productive uh, conversations uh, about uh, the need, uh, the imperative of ensuring safe passage. Now, of course, uh, we're seeing some of the same uh, reports. Uh, when it comes to American citizens, uh, we have a relatively large cadre of consular officers on the ground in Kabul right now. They are in regular and constant contact with American citizens. I can tell you that they have received, uh, as of a couple hours ago, a small handful of reports uh, from American citizens who weren't able to reach the airport for whatever reason. What we do know is that 6,000 people are now at the airport, 6,000 people uh, have been able to make it, have uh, made it through uh, the processing. And as of a couple hours ago, we had received only a small handful of reports otherwise from American citizens. When the State Department, when the Pentagon are referring to American lives as a, and I'm quoting here, small handful, that's a disaster. That is an absolute disregard for human life, a disregard for Americans. It is the federal government, the U.S. government, turning their backs on citizens, on those who serve. Tell me how this is acceptable. Tell me how we're supposed to sit here and take this. We're not. We're not. Now, we're going to dig in deep. Your phone calls, 833-468-8669. We're going to hear from President Biden in the next hour. We're going to bring it to you full with as little commercial interruption as humanly possible, hopefully none whatsoever. And then we're going to break it down. We've got Congressman Jim Banks scheduled to be with us, Noah Rothman of, of NBC and Commentary Magazine, who has been remarkable on this subject, his latest piece over a commentary, The Worst Presidential Dereliction in Memory, Commentary.org, is an incredible, damning read of Joe Biden. But make no mistake, Joe Biden is having this press conference today because he has failed. His answers have been nonsense. The messaging is absolutely, positively everywhere. And if you don't want to take my word for it, well, then you can listen to people like Andrea Mitchell. So, A.B. and Phil, let's talk about this. Phil, first to you. Um, he's, he is all over the place in terms of the messaging here. He said it wouldn't be chaotic, and it was. Uh, he said it was only, you know, it was five days ago, four or five days ago. It wasn't. It was only you know, two days earlier. Um, and the withdrawal is supposed to be over by the 31st now. That's an artificial deadline. But he said that they will stay to take Americans out, but clearly not the Afghan translators and the others. That's not me. That's not you. You don't listen to Andrea Mitchell. Who does? But if this is what we're getting from MSNBC, it's worse than we think. But there's a reason that this media is doing what they're doing. The question is, is that reason what we're going to hear in the press conference? I'll tell you what that is and whether or not we'll hear it. That's up next. I'm Tony Katz.
So I asked the question, what are the questions you would ask Joe Biden? He's got a press conference coming up. We're going to carry it live. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Let me go to the phones. Tim, welcome to the show. Tim, what's going on? How you doing, bud? I'm all right, man. What's happening? Uh, I just I was listening to your show and I, and I heard the comments uh, about the government, the, the U.S. government uh, holding these ambassadors, the embassies and our military uh, holding, holding their lives uh, almost like they have uh, little value. Right. Uh, I just wanted to make the comment that, that this is nothing new. I mean, this started with, with Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, uh, when the U.S. Embassy was overrun. Uh, you know, the CIA, the special forces that were there had requested backup, uh, and she gave the orders to stand down. Uh, that ambassador was sodomized uh, to death. Well, let's let's discuss a couple of things. You're talking about Ambassador Stevens there, and I don't think that your conversation of what we've seen the government do in not protecting American citizens is off base. I think the question or, or, or my response would be uh, because something awful has happened in the past doesn't mean that we should continue to stay silent when it happens now. If the argument is they have a pattern of doing this, we've seen uh, people on the political left engage in this kind of thing. Well, I think that's that's an interesting conversation. I want to stay focused on what is our plan, because our plan is much more than our disgust. Our plan has to be about what happens to the country for the next three and a half years. You need to, and I'm not saying you, Tim, and I appreciate the phone call greatly. Everyone needs to take a step back and ask themselves a question. The disgust, the anger, the the absolute disbelief uh, 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 in, in Joe Biden's inability here, which maybe isn't disbelief because we've been fully aware of this. Uh, that has to, that has a place. But what happens next? What happens with the next issue? China with Taiwan, Russia with Ukraine and Estonia, the southern border. How about the chip shortage that we're seeing affect Toyota and General Motors? Do we no longer get chips? If, we, if, if China thinks they can continue to play rough because our commander-in-chief is so weak? How do we get through that? That's part of the conversation. And it is a national one, even if it's under the radar. We, right now, we're going to bring it to the fore. We're going to get into that question. And maybe that's what the press conference is about. This is Tony Katz today. He's right. We've had troops there for 20 years. They fought. They sacrificed. Their families sacrificed so that we wouldn't have a terrorist attack in America planned in a foreign country. Why should our soldiers be fighting radicals in a civil war in Afghanistan? We've got our own on Capitol Hill. (laughs) Then Biden pointed out. That's Stephen Colbert. Bringing comedy to America, people. Maybe that's why he's losing in the ratings to Gutfeld. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-468-8669. Gutfeld's late night show on Fox, 11 p.m. Beating Colbert in the ratings. 
He takes a little over 2 million viewers. Colbert, 1.896 million viewers. Fallon with The Tonight Show, 1.216. Maybe people just want to be entertained and they're tired of the jerks. Maybe people are just tired of the jerks and they'll take anything as entertainment. Gutfeld has figured it out. Fox figured it out, which is so interesting because this is not the Fox that Roger Ailes designed. The reason it's called Fox News and not just Fox is that he demanded that everybody refer to them as a news organization. This was the plan. Gutfeld proved that culture is a good departure that brings people in. Have you watched the show? Uh, I, I, I don't watch the show because I don't have Fox. I don't have cable. Uh, I've seen it. I, I, you know, I, I, I just don't. I, I've seen clips and things like that. I, whether it's for me or not is completely inconsequential. At least you know you're not going to get yelled at and lectured to, and you're not going to have some host act a damn fool and compare people on January 6th to the Taliban. And for that, people should watch Gutfeld. President Biden is going to speak, and we are going to bring it to you. Now, there are other news stories going on out there. I'll give you one. The FBI has not found evidence that the Capitol attack, speaking of January 6th, was coordinated. There's nothing that they have that shows an organized plot to overturn the presidential election. Yeah, of course not. This wasn't a plan. This wasn't an insurrection. Meanwhile, the state of Georgia is reporting that 95% of Georgians are registered to vote. But we were told that if you create these new election laws, well, it's Jim Crow on steroids. That's what we were told. Jim Crow laws on steroids. These people have no shame. None. Now, there is much more going on with this Afghanistan story. Things that you cannot believe are possible. Like, for example, that when it came to evacuation, the State Department's original plan was to charge each U.S. citizen $2,000 for the flight. People actually asked me about this on social media, Twitter, at Tony Katz. Yesterday, like, what, what, what in the world is this? That was the plan. And then they decided, oh, you know what? The State Department was like, maybe, maybe. All right, we won't charge you. It's on us. It's on us. We'll save your life. You're welcome. It's impossible to believe these things are happening. Like, it's impossible to believe your eyes when you see the video of Afghan women handing over their babies so they can be brought to the fence the razor wire fence that surrounds the Kabul airport where the babies are hoisted up and over to U.S. troops and others in the hopes that they will be rescued. Do we really think that this is just no big deal? Do we really think we're going to forget that image? I have not seen Representative Ocasio-Cortez crying yet. Over these images, I don't know why. Oh, that's right. She doesn't actually care about children. 
She went down to the border and cried at a fence. But since Biden has been president, nothing, because she doesn't care about children. And the southern border is just another part of this conversation. When we talk about the, the larger view, you take a step back. You take a step back from the disgust of this withdrawal, the ignorance, the incompetence of this withdrawal, this absolute failure of the President of the United States, a failure so great, mind you, that the Parliament in the United Kingdom has held President Joe Biden in contempt. I mean, it, it, it's impossible to even think this possible. What does that mean? It means that when we were seeing this play out, Boris Johnson, the prime minister, called. He wanted to speak to the president of the United States because he needed to know what was going on because the U.K. was kept out of negotiations and conversations and updates about what was happening between the U.S. and the Taliban. And that call came Monday morning, and that call was not returned until Tuesday evening. 36-plus hours of the U.K. being in the dark of what the United States, a NATO ally, a partner, a friend— an ally was doing. Yeah, it's not good. They have said this is despicable. Despicable. Being quoted uh, as to see their commander-in-chief, meaning Joe Biden, call into question the courage of men I fought with to claim they ran is shameful. And it is. Biden's entire response, entire attitude. It's hard to believe it possible. Except, of course, we believe it possible. And one of the ways that you have to just become come to, to accept this is to follow this next story. Now, in everything that we have discussed, this one is the most angering because this is the one that's about you. This is how Coastal elites see the Midwest and the whole of the country. This is how they see us, guys. I shared with you a story of a, of a professor at George Washington University that was uh, sharing that, you know, uh, I spoke to some family in, in the Midwest, and, you know, it's not that they, you know, they had forgotten about the war, and now this is how they, they remember. They don't know much about foreign policy, but they sure, certainly don't like being humiliated. As if we don't talk about foreign policy. It is that continued Midwest hatred. Wait till they find out we have museums. They're going to lose their minds. Wait, you mean you've got Edward Hopper paintings? Yes, we have Edward Hopper paintings. They're fantastic. They can't believe it. They are shocked by such things. Wait, you have a symphony and a ballet? What? They can't believe it. It is a disdain for you, me, and we. It is a disgust. It is an absolute belittling. And if you want proof, allow me. Reuters is reporting that Biden-Afghanistan policy counts on war-weary Americans to lose interest. Biden and his top aides argue they are managing an evacuation mission as well as could be expected given the faster-than-anticipated takeover of the country by Taliban insurgents. Well, it's not faster-than-anticipated because, as we know, the communiques were out from those who were working the embassy in Kabul that things are bad and this could all fall apart quickly. They knew it. They reached out. More, approximately two dozen 
members of the, of, of the embassy signed a memo saying, hey, we need to get people out of the country far faster. They dated it July 13th, over a month ago. They knew it was going to be a problem. So when General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, says nobody thought it could happen in 11 days, that's simply not true. But the plan from Biden and his aides, as reported by Reuters, is the belief that he and his aides believe the political fallout at home will be limited. The strategy is to get past it and... People will forget about it. We'll focus more on what's going on in America, and we, you know, they'll they'll forget about it, and I'll be fine. You'll forget. I think that's probably true. We can make an argument that Americans have short-term memory. We can make an argument that Americans can get easily distracted. It is different when the administration says, we'll just create other issues and these dummies will forget that we left Americans to die. That's a different argument. That is an argument of hate. That is an argument of disrespect. That is an argument of radical evil. That is what they think of you. And a reminder to the people who voted for Joe Biden, because Donald Trump gave mean tweets... I forgive you. <laughs> I need you. I want to be angry with you. I want to be disgusted with you. And maybe in some places in my soul I am. But I'm going to have to believe the following is true. You wanted something better, but you didn't want this. You wanted something nicer, but you didn't want this. You didn't want a president who leaves people to die in Afghanistan, who doesn't listen to intelligence because they're more interested in their legacy. You didn't want critical race theory taking over the lives of your children. You didn't want a world where your kids are called bigots quite literally every single day. You didn't want it. There's no way you wanted it. You believed you could just get something nicer. This wouldn't be a problem. You'd get nicer, and the country would run fine, because after all, the president has never actually affected your life. Okay. So now you know. So now let us ask the question. How do we handle the next three and a half years? What's our plan? How in the world... Do we get through this? That's exactly what I think this press conference could be about. And I will share with you what might happen, what probably won't happen, and what needs to happen, and how we have to handle it all. That's coming up next. I'm Tony Katz. Everybody is sharing this video of a father in Colorado Springs speaking at a school board about critical race theory. It's it's good. It is very 
Very good indeed. Literally from coast to coast. I have three children. They are not oppressed either, although they are victims. I've taught my children they are victims of three things. Their own ignorance, their own laziness, and their own poor decision-making. That is all. My children... We are not victims of America. We are not victims of some unseen 190-year-old force that kind of floats around in the ether. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. Racism in America would by and large be dead today if it were not for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And sadly... Did I bury the lead and forget to mention that he's black? I mean, people are going to call him a traitor any second, but he's saying the things that you believe too, regardless of the color of your skin. And the school board voted three to two to ban critical race theory in the schools in Colorado Springs. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is it that Joe Biden's going to say in this press conference that's coming up? We're going to have it for you live. Don't go anywhere. I want to put forth to you a couple things. Let me call my shots. First, what he says in the press conference, except for things that are shocking, is irrelevant. It is how he responds to the questions that matters. Not only the answers to the questions, but the tone, the style. Is it anger? Does he even know what he's saying? Can he get through a sentence? All of that is the story. Does he change things answer to answer? Does he create more confusion? That's the part. And remember, there's no one on his staff who wants him to do this. He has to do it because of the failure of the speech he gave while he was vacationing in Camp David and flew into the White House just to do it, and then the absolute horror of his interview with George Stephanopoulos. They haven't released the full interview yet, from what I know. People have been doing hashtag, uh, let's see the tape, show the tape. How bad did it get? They're only showing, the edited stuff is so terrible, it's amazing. That's a negotiation before the interview, though. The question before us is twofold, as people are are asking. Will he announce the resignation of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, and of Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary? I have gotten no indication of this. He might show how tough he is. He's on top of it. I haven't seen it yet. Doesn't seem to be his style. Will he himself resign? I've got no indication of that at all. But allow me to say that one of the reasons you see the press speaking about him with such honesty is that they have wasted all the political capital they're going to waste, all the reputation capital they're going to waste on Joe Biden, and they're going to clear the way for Kamala Harris. And while people are very upset with Kamala Harris for being silent, this is the only move. You have to distance yourself from this because you may have to be ready. Now, the problem is is that Kamala Harris is wildly unpopular and not capable of running a country. I put forth to you that if you were to look at the line of succession, after Kamala Harris comes Nancy Pelosi. I loathe Nancy Pelosi's politics. I think she has been crude. I think she has been obscene. But I would also say to you as clear as day, if I'm looking at reality, she could run the country better than Biden and Harris. Woo! It's not even a debate. She could have handled the situation in Afghanistan 
better than them both. Quote me. I'm fine with it. There is no doubt in my mind that the conversation is afoot, not from Republicans who should bring forth articles of impeachment, but from Democrats looking for his exit. Because there's something else at play that is true, and everybody now knows it, and no one can deny it, and the conversation is now out and forever out. There's something wrong with Joe Biden. We've all known it. There is no doubt there's something wrong with Joe Biden. He can't do the job. And any Democrat who defends him hates you and hates America and hates their own kids. The Joe Biden press conference on the horror of the Afghanistan pullout, that is next. We are here. Congressman Jim Banks is scheduled to be with us afterwards. Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine and NBC will have the commentary. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today.